giving us cover from above. From the outside, this wall blends perfectly into the surrounding cliffs. Now comes the part I'm most curious about. Was there a plan for what to do with all these fleeing people once they got out? Imagine the scene. There's an air raid going on. Communist troops have breached the tunnels and are chasing the people inside. Where would all these people go? This is scenario. When they come out from the shelter, they will be evacuated to the riverside. This right, there's a river over there. That's, that's supposed to be a seaplane to carry them out. It once again blows my mind that all these complicated plans and mechanisms were in place, and almost no one in the hotel ever even knew about them. I later heard that people worked their entire lives here without ever figuring out where the tunnels were. Well, after many decades, the tunnels have finally divulged their secrets. But this hotel is chock full of many more legends. So join me again next time as we return for more secrets of the Grand Hotel. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Now, today, my guest is Alicia Chen. She's a journalist covering all sorts of international issues, and、uh, she actually reports for the local media as well as you know international media. So,、um, let's meet Alicia. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Shelly, and then、uh, hi everyone. Thanks、mm. for having me today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming over after work. I think、uh, someone I interviewed before said I've got to interview you, and I think the issue that really jumped out at me is that you're a journalist who really cares about refugee issues around the world. What? Why is that? Is it something about your character or something that you? I don't know. Encountered when you were younger, or something like that. I can say that it was the time when I、um, was doing an exchange student program in Spain. So I that was the the first time I lived abroad. It was two thousand sixteen. At the time that、um, the European refugee issues just hit a dead end, I get a lot of、uh, global attention. And I was in Spain, and I feel like、uh, that was my first time to hear the the, the term refugees.、Um, so I started exploring, you know, reading more news, doing some research. But I still feel that the issues that are be far away from 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 my my experience and my my background. Um, until I met a person uh in in Spain. Um, he worked as a chef on a refugee rescue boat、uh, at the Mediterranean, and he he works for the、uh, Doctor Without Borders, is a an international NGOs and who、uh, focus on like humanitarian、um, assistance and uh, medical, um, yeah, me- mainly medical assistance, and so I was. Amazed by his work, and、uh, also was really shocked at what he experienced when he worked on the boat.、Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a chance to、um, uh, to to get on a boat、uh, while、uh, it's disembark、uh, in Spain. So I interviewed a crew on the boat, and then、um, in Spanish. 
<laughs> in Spanish and in English, <laughs> I have to say. My Spanish is not, not that good. And, uh -huh. um, but, uh, uh, I mean, I can still manage to, to interview a couple of people there, uh, especially those who can't really speak English to me. <laughs> yeah. And so I was there. I was on a boat for three days. I didn't meet any refugees at that time when I was there. I only talked on to boat. them on a boat. I was there with the crew. Yeah, um, but that was already um, a big thing for me. I was really young. I was not a reporter. I, I haven't graduated from the university. Wait a minute. Yeah. You were not a reporter yet. No, no. You yeah. kind of just did it out of curiosity or something? I just feel like I should do something for this. I feel like um, I know that the, not so many people, especially people from Taiwan, had this experience to True. literally being on that boat on a refugee rescue boat. So I was like, I was thinking that what what I can do. And, and that's why I feel like, okay, I want to write a story. I want to cover a story. And I started contacting the um, editors in Taiwan and Hong Kong just to see if uh, they are interested in this story. Uh -huh. um, fortunately, and I got the chance to do my first story uh, for one Hong Kong-based media outlet. Mm -hmm. And they, they cover a lot of international issues um, in, in Mandarin. So I, I was in Hong Kong and then talked to the editor and saying that uh, I want to cover this and let me, you know, go back to to Europe and and then to to do more, you know, this to to, to interview more people and then to like um, actually to let me uh, meet refugees and the crew. So your very first report you've ever written was actually in Chinese. Yes, it's in Chinese. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is amazing because, I mean, you were an exchange student in Spain studying. It wasn't journalism. It was not journalism. It's industrial design. <laughs> Excuse me? Industrial design? Wait a minute. Okay. Before this interview, you were telling me that you studied at Qingda University here in Taiwan in economics. Yes. Then it was from Qingda that you went on an exchange program to Spain and yeah. you studied industrial design. Yes. A totally different field. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then while you were there, you became interested in reporting about this refugee boat. Yes. And so after this, you decided to become a journalist, right? Yeah. Oh, so many twists and turns in your life. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so you know, you don't, you don't look like that kind of person <laughs> just from the look of you. But actually inside of you is like, you know, you can't wait to burst out or something like that. You know, you've got all these things that you care about. So when you met this friend in Spain, you know that he works on this refugee boat. Without hesitation, you just went with him and got on this boat for three days and reported about it. Yeah. And then you would turn around and called up all these media sources and ask if they want your story. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would probably uh, consider more, like, you know, details and a um, bunch of issues or whatever. But at that time, I was like, oh, well, <laughs> uh, I need to... I need to do something for this because I really care about that. And I think, and though many people think that refugee issues are kind of not that close to us, but mm. if you think um, deeper what refugees means, it's actually, you know, um, people who are forced to leave home. Mm. And everybody can understand what home is, right? Mm. And, 
And so when when you talk about where is your home and then where where are you from, you know,、uh, why you can't go back to your country,、uh, and do you miss your home?、Mm-hmm. And then even me living abroad, you know, I, I'm also a migrant, you know, but I, you know, I voluntarily. Go there to seek a better life is complete in different situation as what、uh, refugee actually encounter, but we understand、uh, the concept of home. You know,、mm-hmm. so when we talk about this, and that really made me feel like I can resonate when I interview people there. Yeah. So after、uh, doing the stories about the refugee rescue boat, and then I start.、Um, Reporting more issues,、uh, more stories on refugee issues. Yeah. So you gave up your industrial design degree. Well, I mean that's not the degree because、uh, I was like,、uh, you know, I was a bit bored of studying economics in the <laughs> university. So I was like,、uh, you know, if I do an exchange student program in Spain, what would be the best subjects I, I can learn?、Right. And design definitely <laughs> would be one of them. Like art, design, something that you know would be great to 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 learn in Spain, right?、Okay. That's why I I asked the university if just can let me change the subject. Hey, they're pretty. Chill with that. They're just like, well, yeah, why not? <laughs> so I got a chance. So actually, I produced.、Uh, I actually produced my own products that I designed there. I have to go to the、um, to, to 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 the factories and use my poor Spanish to communicate with them how to do my products, and then it was a fun、uh, experience. Yeah. yeah, it does sound fun. Yeah. So, out of curiosity, if a company were to ask you to do an industrial design project for them, would you be able to? No, I can't. <laughs> I mean, like some people in Spain, they actually want to、uh, hire me at that time. I don't know why, like, <laughs> what they were thinking about. But like, they were sort of, like kind of giving it over. It was like definitely not. <laughs> You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. What was that one thing that really touched your heart about the refugee issue? One thing that I found that those refugees, especially refugee youths who are at the same age、uh, as me,、mm. they become my friends. You know,、um, when I was. In in Malta, in in the UK, in Lebanon, I met so many amazing people, and they are refugees because they, you know, the、uh, they can't really、um, be in their country due to some reasons,、mm-hmm. um, like either forced to leave because of the war or persecutions.、Um, but they are still like amazing. Human being,、mm. and and some of them are musicians, artists,、um, architects, and so I have a really great time with them. And then I think that's the moment that really touched me.、Um, I remember when I was in the UK, I was in a holly、uh, Halloween party.、Mm-hmm. And then、um, many people were there, students and from different countries. And then、um, I met one、um, classmate, and he's from Syria.、Mm-hmm. And then that was the first time、uh, I met him. 
and we start dancing there mm -hmm. and then we danced and then we chat and then it's like that that's a, a really pure human connection but he was there not because he wants to pursue this semester's degree it's because that's the only option that he has uh, to leave his country um so that re that that's really strike me mm. um to continue working on these issues. But I think on the other hand, I can resonate a lot um, as a Taiwanese. Um, although I, like, since I was born, I haven't met any uh, issues that will uh, uh, kind of threaten to my safety. Um, I have a really peaceful life and then my family take, you know, take care of me very well but we always face this kind of threat um that maybe one day we might have to leave our home too mm. you know and especially recently we can see what happened in hong kong mm. and in, in 2019 and till now many people have left and then many of them came to taiwan yeah. uh, to seek a safe heaven taiwan now as a safe heaven for those hong kong refugees in the near future, mm. be the case that we have to seek safe heaven in other countries. Wow. So that's a way that I feel like I'm so uh, much into this topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think everybody kind of like um, have this sense of, I don't know, displaced or loss mm -hmm. of being, feel being home. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, I know. I, I really felt uh, it really hit me hard because I used to live in Hong Kong, you know, for oh, six and a half years. This was wow. when I was in elementary school. But um, to think that and you never, never would have thought that one day Hong Kong was become like the way it is now, you know, and it's kind of sad. It is. So you've made some friends with some of these refugees. And in fact, uh, even though they're dis displaced and uh, you still keep in touch with them and everything. Yeah, basically, because, uh, you know, on social media, it's not that difficult to keep in touch with them. And after the outbreak of the pandemic, uh, I had a call with some of them and I met in, in Europe and uh, in Lebanon just to check in, uh, you know, um, check, check in with them yeah. to know what happened there. Yeah, well, it's so good to know that uh, even though they're refugees, that they still have access to electronics. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. You still, yeah. You know, <laughs> get in, I mean, keep not, in touch online. Definitely not all of them. Okay. Yeah, uh, as I say, that they're youth and then they are educated, and so they can okay. kind of manage to You're settle. Right. Yeah, necessarily. They're actually country. educated young people. Yeah. And they're just being displaced because of political reasons or whatever. You're right. I feel like I sometimes think that refugees equal to poor people. Yeah, I think that's the you main know? people that I think uh, in that way. And, and I think that's also reasonable because that's how most of the media outlays and the That is true. That's the kind of refugees we see yeah. on, in the news. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. But that's not the case. I mean, that's definitely they, part of uh, truth. To me, Alicia Chen has a soft heart, and that's why she wants so much to be the voice for the refugees. Definitely, she let me see more clearly the ignorance in me about political refugees and how much need there is in helping them. Honestly, I don't know what I can do, but letting Alicia voice out her views about the issue, hopefully, is one way of helping her. Do join me next week as she talks more about her refugee reports and her thoughts about it. For In the Spotlight, I'm Shirley Lin. <laughs> 
classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. What do you think of when you see spring flowers? Taiwan has been enjoying the first signs of spring, and along with it, cherry blossom festivals, rose festivals, and much more. What sentiments did spring flowers stir in the famous Tang Dynasty poets of long ago? That's what we're going to see today. And let's start today's poetry reading with a Tang Dynasty poem called Spring Morning by Meng Haoran. It's spring. I lie awake as morning breaks. While everywhere are birds who cry, who heard last night the sound of rain and wind. So do you know how many flowers fell? Many flowers have fallen in Taiwan as well, as we are nearing the end of the cherry blossom season. And perhaps Meng was expressing how fragile life is, no matter how beautiful. We here in Taiwan have felt that recently with the tragic train accident that occurred on April 2nd. May those who have fallen rest in peace. Cui Hu of the Tang Dynasty was thinking about a lovely young woman when he wrote about pink peach blossoms in his poem written in a village south of the capital. In this house on this day last year, a pink face vied in beauty with the pink peach blossoms side by side. I do not know today where the pink face has gone. In the vernal breeze still smile pink peach blossoms full bloom. Thank you. 
And sometimes flowers in bloom evoke nothing more than appreciation for the glory of nature. This next poem is called Dreaming of the Southern Shore, written by Bai Zhi Yi. Fair southern shore with scenes I adore. At sunrise, riverside flowers redder than fire. In spring, green waves grow as blue as sapphire, which I can't but admire. life, love, and beauty. Those are just some of the sentiments that spring flowers inspired in the Tang Dynasty poets. May you stop and smell the roses and other flowers in bloom this spring. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. The Sound of the Puyuma Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Listening to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. A long lost painting by a famous Taiwanese oil painter has finally been found, and in an unusual place, in the basement of a Kaohsiung Elementary School. Sixty years after disappearing, a painting by Taiwanese oil painter Chen Ruifu has been discovered in the basement of Datong Elementary School in the southern city of Kaohsiung. The artwork was found as teachers and students were cleaning out the school for renovation work. The painting shows the school as it looked back in 1960. Chen was an art teacher at the school when he did the painting. As it happens, the school was also going through renovation back then too, and that's how the painting got misplaced and was eventually forgotten. The artwork has suffered serious damage due to time and humidity. 
The school has found a team of art restoration experts who have repaired a painting over the course of 25 days. The artist, now 87, was at the unveiling of his restored work. The painting was later auctioned off for more than 10 million NT dollars or 351,000 US dollars. It has been decided, though, that the painting is to remain at the school. This time, properly displayed for everyone to admire. Shirley Lin, RTI News. An Li is the first Taiwanese American director to be awarded the BAFTA Fellowship. Ang Li. Taiwanese American director Ang Li has a long history of winning accolades. In 2013, he won Best Director at the Oscars for *Life of Pi*. He was the first Asian to win an Academy Award for Best Director. Now he's the first Taiwanese American to win a BAFTA Fellowship, the highest accolade that BAFTA bestows. Li won his first Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film in the year 2000 for *Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon*. The next time Lee appeared at the Oscars was to win Best Director for *Brokeback Mountain* in 2005. After he was informed that he won the BAFTA Fellowship, Lee sent a message to Taiwan, his homeland, through his assistant. He said, "During this difficult year, I'm very touched by this honor from BAFTA, and will continue to work hard. Best wishes to all who love and make movies. Thank you all. I also want to send my condolences to friends who are victims in Hualien. Please take care." Ang Lee is the first Taiwanese American director to be honored with the BAFTA Fellowship. Natalie So, RTI News. According to Taoist morning traditions, the seventh day after a person's death has a special significance. That's why on Thursday, seven days after the Hualien train crash claimed the lives of 50 people, Taiwan's railways echo with a very special sign of remembrance. The sound of the train's horn fills the air as it passes Qingshui Tunnel on Thursday morning, and joining it are the horns of trains in Hualien, Taidong, Kaohsiung, Jiayi, and Pingdong. The time is 9:28 a.m., the precise moment when the Taroko Express Number、no. 408 derailed last Friday. It's a gesture of mourning for the 50 people who died, and drivers across the country are also wearing yellow ribbons in remembrance. Pingdong Station Chief Guo Kunyue explains. He says the drivers' union wanted to mourn the two heroic drivers who died in the crash. He says he hopes they will hear the sound on their journey to heaven. Some people came to train stations especially to witness the moment. One woman says she wants to show that the people of Jiayi won't forget the two drivers. The show of unity echoing around Taiwan's train stations is a poignant way to remember the victims of last week's tragedy. Stash Butler, RTI News. This is the season for harvesting green plums in Taiwan, but because of the lack of rain this year, plums are turning out smaller than usual. Plum farmers are trying to think of other uses for their shrunken green plums. Amidst the green plum plantations in southern Tainan, one can see the plums are already ripe. Except this season, they're smaller than usual. The farmers only have the weather to blame. With very little rain this season, most of the fruit have shrunken to the size of a five anti dollar coin. Farmers categorize the size of their harvest according to the size of Taiwanese coins. S is the size of a five anti dollar coin. M means it's as big as a ten anti dollar coin, and L is for those as big as a fifty anti dollar coin. When you're lucky, you may even come across a double L. 
The farmers say each plum used to weigh an average of 30 grams, but this year they're only 10 to 15 grams. There were hardly any size double L ones this year either. This was the first time in 30 years that farmers have seen such a dismal turnout. One of the farmers said, "Unfortunately, most of the harvest this year can only be made into plum essence. The weather really hit the green plum market hard this year." Shirley Lin, RTI News. A 47-year-old man in Taiwan raised eyebrows when he was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease and admitted to the dialysis ward. The man frequently used painkillers, which quickly deteriorated his kidney function. Doctors are urging caution when taking painkillers. It might be tempting to swallow a couple of painkillers whenever discomfort strikes, but doctors are urging the public to be careful. Doctors diagnosed a 47-year-old man from southern Taiwan with chronic kidney disease. He must now undergo regular dialysis. Doctors say the culprit behind this man's receding renal capabilities is over-the-counter painkillers. A doctor at Shingao Hospital in Gaoshong says the man used painkillers regularly for up to a year. The man began exhibiting kidney disease symptoms, but ignored them and continued to use the painkillers. That's what landed him in dialysis. Taiwan has over two million people with chronic kidney disease. Doctors say to watch out for swelling, high blood pressure, or anemia. Any of those symptoms might mean your kidneys are pulling overtime. The next time you find yourself about to take a couple of painkillers, you might want to ask yourself, just how badly do I need these? Leslie Liao, RTI News. After two decades, the Weichun Dragons professional baseball team is back in the game. To celebrate the occasion, the organizers decided to set a Guinness Book record in the opening game. After 21 years, the professional baseball team Weichun Dragons is back in the Chinese Professional Baseball League. To mark the occasion, the Taipei City Government spent 2.8 million U.S. dollars to renovate the Tianmu Baseball Stadium using man-made turf, the first in Taiwan. Taipei City Mayor Ke Wenzhe was there to give an opening speech. He, along with 312 baseball players who have been with the professional league for at least a year, threw the first balls to start off the game. The move broke the previous Guinness Book record of the largest number of players pitching the first ball at the opening of a game. The last world record was made 10 years ago with only 222 pitchers in Japan. Much to the delight of Dragons faithful fans, the Dragons beat Fubon Guardians 3-0 in their first game back in the league. Shirley Lin, RTI News. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist for Radio Taiwan International. I am Paula Chow. RTI is conducting a survey. Visit our website to fill out the questionnaire, or simply send us your answers to the following four questions. Question number one: What platform do you use to listen to RTI programs? You can write more than one, but list the most frequent one first. 
Question number two. Which RTI programs are your favorites? Write no more than three programs. Question number three. Out of a total of five stars, how many stars would you give RTI's English broadcasts overall? And question number four. What are your suggestions for RTI's English programs? Everybody who enters will have a chance to win a prize. Send your answers to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan, 11199. Or send it via email. Our email address is audience01 at rti.org.tw. That's audience and the numbers 0 and 1 at rti.org.tw. Be sure to leave your name, gender, age, and nationality. One of the uh, targets uh, we want to focus is the elder, and also we want to focus on the university students or high school students. Everyone can be the digital detective. They can do the debugging on their own. They have more digital ability. Hello and welcome to this week's On the Line brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Summer Chen Huimin, Editor-in-Chief of Taiwan Fat Chat Center, said Taiwan Fat Chat Center has helped organize some workshops to help teachers with media literacy. As young children and teenagers today rely on the mobile phone, instead of telling them what this information is all about, Summer Chen said you might as well just get them involved with the misinformation debunking work. To find out more, we are joined today by Ms. Summer Chen Huimin, Editor-in-Chief of Taiwan Fat Chat Center. Taiwan Fat Chat Center is jointly founded by Taiwan Media Watch and the Association for Quality Journalism. Taiwan Fat Chat Center is also a member of IFCN or International Fat Checking Center. Ever since September 2020, that was last year, your center has been working with Taiwan Institute for Information Industry to use artificial intelligence or AI to debunk false news. Can you tell us more, Summer? Yes, I think AI is the dream for our <laughs> fact checkers because uh, we we. Uh, it's like uh, when we meet the uh, engineers from III, we just like I just feel like I meet Dola Emon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish her, hey, do you have any uh, magic uh, device that can help us <laughs> to do the fact check um, uh, by artificial? And we 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 can just sleep there, and when we wake up, everything is done. But uh, it's not <laughs> for real. <laughs> Uh, but uh, so uh, I, I have so much patience to know what uh, our process and uh, what we need. And that um, by understanding us, they just figure out what kind of technique they can do to help us. So last year, they built a tool. Uh, we called uh, rumor catcher. And the rumor catcher can collect uh, all the resources or the claim resource we have, and then grouping them. And so every day when we uh, turn, when we uh, open the, uh, when we open the website of uh, Rumor Catcher, then we can, uh, with one button, we can easily figure out what the frequencies 
uh, of the claim from our audience. And uh, then we can read all the claim easily. Then we can uh, pick up the um, the claim that we want to the fact check from, uh, by this tool. It saves us a lot of time. Before that, we are slide our mobile phone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, do, do, uh, so because we have a team, so it's pretty difficult for us to work together because everyone needs to spend a lot of time slide the mobile phone and figure out what's the claim we have the most, then we will have the meeting and then we need to make the decision. It's a very long process. However, uh, by this tool, we can easily to make decision. Uh, when we save our time, we can do more things to debunking uh, more uh, information. Right. Uh-huh. So w- working with uh, III or Institute for Information Industry from Taiwan using uh, AI or artificial intelligence, so that allows your fact checkers to identify the most uh, harmful reports uh, as well. Right. Uh, the tool can uh, help us easily to catch how the claims spread uh, virally. And uh, uh, does it spread virally? Uh, does it uh, still have more uh, social influence? So uh, we need to debug it first. So this tool can help us to make a quick decision. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it really means that technology does help, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, Summer, has Taiwan Fat Chat Center gained more momentum since uh, August 2018, especially with uh, influencing the public, uh, not only here in Taiwan, but also in other Chinese-speaking uh, mm-hmm. society, for example, in China, Hong Kong, Macau, Malaysia, Singapore, and other parts of uh, Asia. What do you think? Um, yes, I think uh, Taiwan Fact Check Center is very few fact-checking organizations uh, work with IFCN community in Chinese world, especially we published the fact check things uh, like Hong Kong protest to the COVID-19 pandemic. So during uh, those times, there are lots of misinformation made by China or uh, just uh, written in Chinese and spreading in Chinese world. And uh, so when we publish it, uh, fact check so it's not just read by Taiwanese audience, but it's also read or it's also uh, influenced in other countries, but in other Chinese-speaking world. That's how we make uh, the international influence in uh, not only in Taiwan, but also in international uh, world. Because I think Taiwan is pretty unique. We have very pretty unique uh, political geography position because we are the front of uh, China warfare. So if the misinformation or disinformation uh, is conducted by China government, then we will debug it. And uh, also the the other uh, information uh, security team from other countries like uh, France, Australia, or Canada, or United States, 
if they want to understand, they want to get to know what's going on uh, between Taiwan and China, or what's going on, or, or what uh, China government do, or China um, information warfare do, then they will contact us, or they need to read our fact checks. So that's how we make the inference. And the, uh, on the other hand, uh, we have a social network with other country uh, fact-checking organization. For although we are beginner, <laughs> we are, it's our third year uh, to to be the to be the partnership of in IFCN community. But also there are some some younger beginner like Hong Kong, Malaysia, or Mongolia. So they are still on the process to apply to be the members of IFCN. So they will ask the experience from us. We will uh, share our experience, uh, how to do the fact check and uh, how to publish a fact check to gain the social reputation uh, a bit by a bit and uh, to to get the social trust at the beginning. So we can share what we learned uh, within the three years. And so that's how we make the other kind of uh, the social influence in the, in the world. You're listening to Underline brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong, and today I'm speaking with Ms. Summer Chen Huimin, Editor-in-Chief of Taiwan Fact Check Center. Especially countries which are very close to us, and if they want to establish a fat chat center, they can learn from Taiwan because um, mm-hmm. Taiwan has had a lot of disinformation, either coming from China or you right. know related to uh, mm. coronavirus. <laughs> right, right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think uh, has been the most ridiculous uh, false news that your center has debunked until now? Most ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, for the, I think it. Um, I think uh, last year, uh, we we published a fact check about say the Earth is donut shaped, mm-hmm. Don, uh, like a donut. The Earth is not a ball; it's a donut. And uh, this uh, information, and, and they say there is a new theory. Uh, the scholars say the the Earth look like donuts, but you can't see in your eyes because the the light. <laughs> and uh, actually, those information is not only not only spreading on social media, but it is also published by mainstream media. Uh, <laughs> a lot of newspaper and the TV station they have the same news, and uh, we published a fact check to debug it. And uh, the other one is about the banana. <laughs> uh, there is a very global uh, misinformation, and uh, it's spreading in many countries during the pandemic. In the and in some country, uh, at the beginning we saw it in Australia and uh, uh, Philippines or other country, and uh, it say the gathers from Australia doing the research, and uh, the research found the banana can cure COVID-19. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the other, and the other country say the banana spread the COVID-19. 
And uh, when we watch the ridiculous misinformation, then after six months, I think it's the last of September. At that time, our uh, our banana is out of it's too much. So government encouraged the people to eat banana uh, every day. And at that time, this inf- misinformation come into Taiwan, and it has our version. It says, oh. Why the Taiwanese didn't have uh, many cases? Because the Taiwanese eat a banana. So <laughs> please eat more banana. Banana is uh, can can be the cure to COVID nineteen. So I think it's pretty fun and interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, what does your center hope to do this year? Uh, to stop the spread of false news, as you mentioned, that uh, mm-hmm. maybe your work will um, mm-hmm. be related to vaccine. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, for the fact check, uh, we we will increase uh, our fact checkers. We will hire more fact checkers this year, so our team could be like ten people. So you you can imagine that the year we only have four people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> During the uh, presidential election, we have only four people, but now we are a team of 10 people. And, uh, Good for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that means we will get stronger. And, uh, um, and also, we want to have more workshops. And one of the uh, targets uh, we want to focus is the elder. So now we are working with a computer uh, com- uh, computer association, a uh, Taipei Computer Association, and uh, we have a class with the mobile phone teacher, and uh, we teach them the fact checking tools and the skills. And after they got our uh, uh, teaching and uh, have our teaching plan and the material, then they will teach the elder. They will go to the. Uh, the elder center or the community, uh, the community, um, to teach the elder how to do the fact checking on their own, and also we want to uh, focus on the university students or high school students. Uh, we also want to have the class and uh, the race for them. Uh, we hope they will feel it's very fun and uh, very interesting to debug the fact-checking on their own. We, we hope that fact-checking could be their, their like, just interest or their, it's just like a detector. They feel, I think it's a detect game, detective game. They, everyone can be the digital detective. They can do the debugging on their own especially for the young students, they have more digital ability. So mm-hmm. we want to raise their interest to do that fact-checking on their own. Yeah, we do hope that Taiwan Fact Check Center will expand more from a team of 4 to 10, even to 20, 30, 100. And it will grow into an internationally known Fact Check Center. And we've been joined on the phone today by Ms. Summer Chen Huimin, Editor-in-Chief of Taiwan Fact Check Center. Taiwan Fact Check Center is jointly founded by Taiwan Media Watch and the Association for Quality Journalism. And that's for this week's On The Line brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.